Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. I strongly support and value the uniqueness of all individuals and provide a safe community where diversity is embraced. Through my mentorship and signature program called the Blueprint Learning Program, I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, and along with that, help them learn important business skills and personal development ways of being that will transform them into purpose-driven teachers who make a big impact. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. For more information and to get on the wait list for any of my programs, see my website, barebonesyoga.com. Hi, everybody. Karen Fabian here, founder of Bare Bones Yoga, and welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. So I am your host, Karen Fabian, of course, and I'm really grateful that you are listening right now. So I'm recording this on Monday, December 14th. I love recording episodes on Mondays because I hope that it gives you something to uh, book into your week as just, you know, really some time for you as a yoga teacher to tap into just that idea of learning and connecting and you know, anything that you, sorry, friends, anything that you um, feel uh, inspired by when you connect to podcasts. I know for myself, I listen to quite a few podcasts that have nothing to do with yoga. And I really look forward to them during the week. I actually book them in my hard copy calendar. So I remember to listen to them. I don't know. Is anybody out there still using a date book? I do. <laughs> um, I actually hate using my phone as a, as a calendar. I am a big planner and super organized and I find that there is nothing better than having an actual book to carry around where you can write in pencil uh, what your appointments are. You can see your whole month all at a glance. You don't have to like depend on your phone, which I just feel like right now more than ever, I am really, really trying to cut back on how much I look at my phone. Um, in that uh, regard, I will say if you haven't, if you have an iPhone and you haven't tapped into looking at under the system settings, screen usage, I would highly recommend you look at that every day throughout the day. <laughs> Again, you have to open your phone to do it, but it's a great way to keep on track in terms of how many hours each day you are looking at your phone. Now, I will say when I listen to podcasts, I make sure the screen is off so that time doesn't count against my screen time because I'm not really looking at my phone then. But if I watch a video on my phone or I scroll through social media uh, mindlessly, that all counts. Um, if I'm doing email, you know, anything where your screen is live. Um, I think it's really important for us to start to try to be super intentional about using electronics. This is one of the really important paths to greater wellness. I think, you know, the initial 
uh, excitement about having uh, uh, the iPhone or the Android, whatever you're using, has long passed. And now we're into uh, a time where we're really starting to see the impact, especially in children, of being so, so connected to these devices. There is a really good Netflix show and I'm blanking on what the name of it is. It's like the digital world or digital dependence. Uh, I'll see if I can link it up in the show notes. I'll do a little Googling after I record this. It is on Netflix and it is a show that details the addiction that we all have on some level to social, well, to our phones. And it interviews a number of founders of different platforms, whether it's people that worked in Facebook at a very high level, or they interview the founder of Pinterest, and they talk about all the behind the scenes uh, infrastructure and functionality they built in from a software design perspective to keep people attached to their phone. And when you watch it, you'll actually, I don't know, maybe you won't, but for me, in a way, I was kind of furious that I, I just felt like such a tool. <laughs> I just felt like wow, I really just bought it all hook, line, and sinker. And so I've really, since watching that, made a concerted effort to take back control in my own life when it comes to using my phone. So having said that, the other thing I want to mention at the top of this episode is that I did a card pull this morning. And if you don't know what that means, it means I took out my tarot card deck and I pulled a card. And I do this frequently as a way to tap into my intuition. And you may hear this and you may be thinking, oh my God, Karen is such a logical anatomy-based teacher. Why would she be doing this? This seems out of character for her. It probably is right to think that. Um, however, I really like to tap into other aspects of uh, my being. And I think that card pulls are a great way to do that because each card has a message on it and a particular icon uh, or avatar and the message goes with the avatar and it's a whole theme and I really do believe that there is something not random about the card you pick. And you can pick three cards at a time or one card. I actually like to pick a card when I'm doing an Instagram live video because I involve anybody who's watching or anybody who watches it on the replay in the card poll by having them as they're watching, think about a number between one and 53. 53 is the total number of cards in the deck that I have. And then I pick the card and maybe the viewer has the same number in mind, which would be so cool. So I wanna just read to you the card that I pulled because for me, this is spot on with where I'm at right now in my life on a whole bunch of levels. So the fact that I picked this card today is so apropos to my life right now and I really think that that's not an accident. And I want to preface my reading of this card by asking you to think of a number between one and 53. So I'm just gonna give you a moment to do that. So just think of a number, take a deep breath, think of a number between one and 53. <clears throat> okay, so I picked card 52. So if you pick number 52, 
uh, we're in sync. If not, not a big deal because the messaging is still something to hear and, and let your mind absorb. So card number 52 in this deck is Goddess of the Moon. And I'm gonna have to get the book to read you what card 52 means. I apologize, I did not have this ready <laughs> for the recording. So card 52, sorry friends. <clears throat> card 52 is goddess of the moon. And the theme is intuition and going within. This card shows an eternal spirit holding the bright reflective moon and standing in front of the crystal clear waters of a sparkling waterfall. <clears throat> Her arms are stretched upward, receiving the light of the moon, the light of inspiration. This card is all about intuition, the ability to receive insights from your soul's point of view. Receiving the card upright tells you that you have the power to get intuitive information on all types of issues, and now is the time to use it. The goddess of the moon brings you all sorts of information from the mundane to the spectacular. For instance, you could get the urge to take a different route home from work and find out later that you avoided a huge traffic jam. Or you might have an idea for a great invention, a stock investment, or a spellbinding novel. This card could also indicate a significant blossoming of psychic ability and mediumship, even on a professional level. You're always blessed with this ability to connect, but this card is telling you that now is the perfect time to open up. Get ready for the amazing inspiration this brings. So that's what this card is about. And I really hope that um, you'll take a moment to acknowledge, number one, that you are an intuitive being, that you're not all about logic and planning. And number two, that your intuition is a part of you that is there to help you tap into your truth because oftentimes we live in our heads and we live from logic and we live from rational thought. And that in a way, while it can be good at times and important for certain topics, there I believe needs to be an underlying theme when we live our life where we are tapping into our intuition. It's what tells us and alerts us to danger. It's what gives us that warning when we're around someone that isn't really a good match for us for whatever reason. It's what tells us that we're making a good decision. It's what, alert, it's what alerts us to any hesitation we might have. The one thing I will say about intuition though, is that sometimes our knee-jerk intuitive response is really something that is happening because we are afraid. And over time, I do believe, and this is from my own experience, not from anything anyone's told me, I do believe that sometimes what our intuition tells us is really a cover for the fact that we're afraid to take a certain step. And so what I would say to you is if you are, let's say, trying to make a decision and your intuition is telling you, oh, this isn't the right time, you don't, you know, this isn't a good fit for you, just be sure, take a moment to ask, think of your intuition like a person, ask your intuition why not? Why is this not a good decision for me? And listen for the answer. Because what is this really, friends? This is you having a conversation with yourself. And many, many times the way we go through life, and now I'm speaking to you from a neuroscience perspective and what I have read and learned, 
many times in life, we are operating from the past. We're operating from what we have learned is a pattern of behavior from our past. And we do it because again, on a neuroscience level, when, uh, when we look at the brain, we know that the brain learns <clears throat> patterns and it learns patterns and reactions because it likes to conserve your energy. And so every time you went to tie your shoe, if you had to think about how to do that, it would be exhausting, but that's not what happens. You learn how to tie your shoe and then it becomes automatic. Now that's great for tying your shoe, but let's think about if you want to learn something new or try something different or take your life in a different direction and your intuition is telling you, no, you shouldn't do that. Well, maybe that's because you always say no. And maybe your brain is just used to you saying no. And so again, in its effort to conserve your energy, <clears throat> it's just telling you, don't go for it. Don't try it. Now, you know, again, I actually would love to have, a, there's a couple people in neuroscience that I'm familiar with. I'd love to have them on the show to talk to this because I'm talking about intuition and brain separately when in actuality, I think they would probably say it's the same thing. However, I think that you can get from this part of the conversation we're having that there are different aspects of our being. And when we think about something on a logical level versus when we think about it on an intuitive level, whether those are different parts of your brain, I know for myself, that's a very different way or a different lens through which I can view a particular subject. So I'll leave you with that in terms of this particular thing. If you'd like to buy a tarot card deck, this is super easy to get. It's on Amazon and it's called Energy Oracle Cards by Sandra Ann Taylor. All right, so what I want to just touch on today is a number of different anatomy concepts. And the first one I wanna talk about is I want you to imagine yourself teaching a class with a number of different people in the class at different levels of experience. And I want you to imagine you're in your head and you're thinking, oh my goodness, how am I going to meet these people where they're at, given that each one of them seems to be at a very different level of experience with their practice. Now, I think I talked about this a little bit in last week's episode on anatomy-based concepts. I wanna take a deeper dive into one thing I may have shared, and that is thinking about range of motion as a variable that you can play with when you want to offer modifications. And this is a really good general way to approach modifications so that you don't have to be getting into so much nitty gritty. Well, you could do it this way or that way, or bend your knee this way or that way, or you know, lean this way or that way. It's a very general approach. <clears throat> and that is think about modifying range of motion as a general opportunity for people to modify the pose. So what that would look like is, and again, in order to do this, you, you need to know your anatomy. So what that would mean is in a particular posture, you would need to know what is the muscle at action or the agonist creating the main anatomical movement 
or anatomical position or action in that pose. And then your modification that you offered would simply be an offer to students to decrease the work effort being expended by that muscle. So I'm going to give you a really practical example, one that comes up a lot, and that is the example of offering people low cobra versus up dog. And this is a really good example because it's one of those things you've probably heard a hundred times, but if you look at it through the lens of anatomy, and if you offer it as a teacher who really understands anatomy, it lands very differently on your students because it's coming from what you know rather than something you're just saying. So imagine if you offer low cobra versus up dog and someone comes up to you after class and says, or emails you after your virtual class and says, hey, I noticed you kept offering low cobra instead of up dog. Why are they different? What am I gaining by doing low cobra versus up dog? So I want you to take a minute and I want you to think about what you would say. I want you to think about the rationale that you might offer. So this is a good example of a test of your knowledge versus being a teacher who just says stuff. And if this stings a little bit, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is just my way of, again, just really pushing you in a loving way to acknowledge that you may be operating as a yoga teacher in a way where you are saying a lot of things without really knowing the why. And that has always been my central focus in my work with teachers, helping them understand the why, the why behind the cue. So let's break this down. So let's look at somebody in up dog, envision that in your mind and think about the main anatomical action in up dog. So I'm gonna give you a second to think about that. What's the main anatomical action in up dog? So the main anatomical action in up dog is spinal extension. Now the main muscle of spinal extension is what? Think about that. What are the, what's the main muscle of spinal extension? Well, the main muscle of spinal extension are the spinal extension, extension muscles, otherwise known as the erector spinae. Now we can break down the erector spinae into its three parts. However, I don't necessarily believe that yoga teachers need to know iliocostalis and longissimus and thoracis. I think it's perfectly fine to know spinal extensors, AKA erector spinae muscle group. So now we look at up dog. Now we know the main anatomical action is spinal extension. We know the main muscle group responsible for that are the spinal extensors. So if we say to somebody, hey, instead of up dog, why not do low cobra? Try it and see how it feels. I want you to think about visualizing somebody in up dog and visualizing somebody next to them in low cobra. What is the main difference? And I want you to think about this from the perspective of range of motion. So the main difference is that there is a much lower range of motion requirement from the extensor group in low cobra to create spinal extension than an up dog. And when we take a muscle 
or in this case, a group of muscles that collectively work to do the same thing, i.e. extend the spine. And we decrease the range of motion in the movement that they are responsible for creating. We automatically, to a certain extent, decrease their work effort. And so now we're saying to the person, hey, you don't have to use that muscle so much. You can decrease the workload on that muscle by simply decreasing the amount of spinal extension that that muscle group has to provide. And so taking it down a couple notches decreases the work effort of the agonistic muscle in this posture, which is spinal extensor group, and therefore could result in more comfort in the student's body, more ease in the student's body. You know, there could be a variety of sensations. Now we're talking about the somatics. If we look at it just from the anatomical, we can measure, right? If we had a goniometer, which is the device used by physical therapists to measure range of motion, we could measure range of motion and it would be less. Okay, so that's that. The other thing I wanted to bring up sort of in this category is something that came up in training this week. And it's also connected to the theme of really knowing what you're saying in terms of what's the behind the scenes rationale. So I want you to envision you're in a class and the teacher offers you to place two blocks in a T shape underneath you and lay over the blocks in a supported fish pose. So I'm gonna give you a couple seconds. I want you to think about what is the anatomical rationale for using the blocks in that configuration? <clears throat> All right, so here, <clears throat> a good place to begin is to look at the position of the body and the anatomical action being displayed. Interestingly enough, the anatomical position in this example is exactly the same as the prior updog example, except we are now supine, not prone. So it's again, spinal extension. Now, the placement of the blocks in the way that they are placed, I want you to think, does it create more or less spinal extension? <clears throat> well, it most likely creates more because the physical presence of the block creates a, a barrier in a way, but it's not really a barrier. It's more what I look at from an engineering perspective as leverage sort of, or foundation immovable foundation against which we can place our spine and allow the muscles to use that solid foundational point to work against. And when I don't, I don't mean work against it like you're fighting it, I mean using it again in a way like leverage. And the reason further that this becomes potentially helpful, and I really want to emphasize potentially because I actually never teach this, is because the presence of the thoracic cage is what makes that portion of the spine generally a little bit stiffer than other parts. <clears throat> so in my view, use of blocks underneath the body in a supported fish posture is a nod to the intrinsic quality of the thoracic spine being a little stiffer than cervical and lumbar and giving you the leverage. I don't know if that's the most exact uh, scientific term I can use, but let's just use it for right now to 
brace your spine against to then facilitate the concentric action of the spinal extensors to create spinal extension. Now, even if we agree all of that is true, I want you to now think about <clears throat> from a comfort <clears throat> from a comfort level. <clears throat> and I want you to think about all of what I just mapped out. And if there is a better way to offer people an opportunity to turn on their spinal extensors without what I think is the obvious, the way obvious, it's so obvious, I can't even understand why we still teach this problem, which is you're putting a hard block <laughs> underneath your spine. Like, why are we doing this? I, I just, I don't get it. <clears throat> I think quite frankly, it's just one of those things that we, that teachers have taught and that people just took on. And again, no um, disrespect to Iyengar teachers, I believe, and I do not know a lot about Iyengar, but I believe the use of props in Iyengar I know is quite prevalent. And I believe this probably is part of that type of yoga, that style of yoga, much respect. And please do not take the fact that I am presenting it in this way and my tone is in this way that I am dissing anyone. I am simply looking at it just from a human side, from a, from a, personal practice side. If you like the blocks underneath you, go for it. If you like to teach that, go for it. I am simply saying, wouldn't it seem more comfortable to put something softer under there that could facilitate the same response in the body? So whether that's a rolled up blanket or a bolster, uh, even a mat or a, or a um, foam roller, you know, so again, that's, you know, kind of a little sidebar thing. The main thing that I wanted to communicate is that if we look at that positioning of the blocks under the body in the T-shape, and we can't as a teacher explain why we're doing it down to the level of detail that I just offered, I don't really think you should be doing it. Because if you can't answer somebody's question about why is it there? Why are you having us do this? You shouldn't teach it. Teach what you know teach what you can answer questions about, teach in a way that allows you to share from what you know authentically, okay? And again, maybe you're not gonna be the teacher for everybody, but neither am I, and no one is gonna be the teacher for everybody. It's really up to you to decide what kind of teacher you wanna be, what kind of style do you want to exude, and what on a level of integrity do you wanna carry forth when you are teaching your students? So those are two examples that I wanted to share that came up over the past couple of days. And in kind of bringing this somewhat shorter episode to a close, I wanna just let you know, if you missed last week's, or it wasn't last week, it was Saturday's free workshop I did on hip anatomy, I went into a deep dive of the hip and I, always hesitate to do deep dives and free workshops because free workshops tend to get teachers who are looking for free content, which is totally fine. And I love that. However, when I offer deep dives into a certain part of anatomy in a free workshop, I don't know what the teachers know about anatomy. The teachers who are attending is what I'm referencing. And if you do a deep dive into anatomy 
in terms of understanding or attempting to understand a particular part of the body without a good understanding of the broader topics. Usually what it does is it only serves to confuse you further. And it, in a way really is a disservice, <clears throat> which is why I normally don't do it. However, <laughs> I did it this time because I know teachers love to learn about the hip. They get a lot of questions about the hip. And quite frankly, I just wanted to do a slide presentation because I don't typically do those in free workshops either. I typically save those for my paid workshops. So if you want to watch this free workshop on hip anatomy, which I did on Saturday, it's going to be up until 1219. Just DM me on Instagram or email me and I'll send you the link. The email is karen at barebonesyoga.com. Now at the end of that workshop, I offered people at the workshop and those of course who watch the recording, a chance to enroll in my signature program, the Blueprint Learning Program. So I'm gonna close this episode here by letting you know, doors are open until tomorrow, Tuesday the 15th at 5 p.m. Eastern. After that, that is your last chance to enroll for this year. This is the first time I am offering a really amazing feature called the Healthy, I'm sorry, called the Learning Rewards Program where you can earn back $100 of your investment in the program if you graduate by March 15th, which is way doable. And if you participate between your enrollment today or tomorrow and March 15th in the three free bonus coaching calls you get with me. Those are free calls that I would normally charge more than a thousand bucks for you're getting for free. And then when you complete those three calls before March 15th and you graduate from the program successfully, you get back a hundred dollars of your investment. This is also the first time I've ever offered a 12 month payment plan. So the monthly payments are less than a hundred bucks a month, or you can pay for it in full. I don't add any interest if you go the monthly route except for 23 bucks. And additionally, I include a full 30-day money back, full money back guarantee if you complete half the program and one coaching call. And after that, you decide the program's not for you. And I bet, I almost know for sure, you've never gotten a guarantee for any yoga program you've enrolled in but you'll get one with mine because that's how confident I am that this program will help you learn anatomy, will help you share it confidently and in a very different way than you're most likely sharing it now. It'll help you learn how to share it from what you know, rather than <clears throat> all of what we're talking about here, just repeating stuff you were told to say. So in order to get the link to look at the offer in detail, and again, the entire program is full of bonuses you don't pay for, all you're buying is the course and it's under $1,000. <clears> so I want you to keep those parameters in mind. To get the offer page and to take a look at it, again, DM me on Instagram, email me, karen at barebonesyoga.com. It is up on my Facebook page for my anatomy work group. So if you're in that group, you can get that. I don't just post this thing willy nilly because I really wanna direct it to teachers who know me, who have a relationship with me, who maybe listened here to the podcast or they're on my VIP email list. You know, I'm not looking to just 
build this program up with a bunch of random people. I want it to be teachers who really want to learn. And I'm so excited when teachers enroll. I've had teachers enrolling already when I open the doors on Saturday and you've got until tomorrow, Tuesday the 15th at 5 p.m. Eastern to sign up. So that's it for today. That's our episode. I want to wish you a really good week. Stay positive. I know there's a lot going on in the world. The pandemic, the vaccine is coming out and starting to be distributed. We're starting to see the light ahead. Just stay healthy. Keep taking care of yourself. I am teaching a free class tomorrow night, Tuesday the 15th, 6 p.m. Eastern. If you can make that, just go to the practice portal and register. You can get that practice portal link right on my website. Have a good week. Thank you so much for listening. If you are still listening right now, I am talking to you. I really, really appreciate your focus. Have a good one. See you on the next episode. Namaste. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and I just want to remind you, if you would like to get on the wait list for my two premier programs, the Blueprint Learning Program and my mentorship program, all you need to do is visit my website, barebonesyoga.com, and the links to get on the wait list for both of these programs are right on the homepage. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.